remember way back when I was living in darkness. He shone the light around me so I could clearly see my way up. When the Lamb arose to claim, I clearly saw my name. And when I think about it, I let out a great big shout. about it. Look what the Lord has done. We know the enemy is always trying to keep us defeated. He's always trying to point us to everything that's going wrong. But if we only keep our eyes on the message he has brought us, the joy begins to swell up and we sing out a brand new song. Oh, rejoice. Look what the Lord has done. He drove away the darkness at the rising of the sun. Oh, rejoice. Look where he's brought us from. Oh, stop and think about it. Look what the Lord has done. Has he done something for you? Amen. Let's give him a hand clap. You've been standing a bit. I'll just let you have your seats for a moment. I want to welcome everybody to the service this morning. Uh, we've made some of our visitors welcome already. Also, I believe Brother Luke is here, Sister Mara. God bless you. We're praying for you, remembering you all the time. Amen. I think I saw Brother B. Avenue and Sister Sylvie. God bless you. Brother B. Avenue, that means welcome, right? We welcome you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> nice to have you here. Well, uh, last Sunday we had a good service with Brother Jonah. I believe those that were here and uh, and thanks to Brother Bob for your song leading and to Sister Elisa for piano and Brother Eris for the sound booth. And God bless you for that. We also had a wonderful youth meeting on Friday. Our Brother Max ministered. Such a nice spirit. And it's a really nice spirit here this morning. Really good spirit of worship. I believe the Lord is happy with that. Amen. Brother Andrew Dodd is in Tennessee today. He's ministering for Brother Joseph Hammond. They were due to have a service last night. They had to cancel that because there was a real uh, flu and, and thing going around and the enemy really against it. But we just said, Lord, may you still have your way. May you have the victory. So we, we want to remember that. On next Sunday, November 27th, we are having a brother come here from New York. Brother Simon Peter Sesse will be here. Brother Simon's been here before. I met Brother Simon many years ago when I was in Africa. He was at that time uh, working in the country of Sierra Leone and Liberia, and that's a country that's dear to my heart, but Brother Simon Peter would be here next Sunday for both services. And uh, we also are looking to have a communion service, 
We were intending to have it here uh, before the month of November ended, but we might just take it into the first week or so of December, so we'll let you know about that. But we're, we certainly want to do that. I think it's always a precious time. It's emblematic of our relationship with God, so we want to do that. Let's stand together. Let's just sing, um, you are the one, is it beautiful, merciful Christ? I, I'm not sure which the way is, but... Beautiful, merciful Savior, this is Redeemer and Friend. You gathered the one that we are ever saved the souls of men. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. this morning. Lord, you're that one this morning that our hearts hunger and yearn for. Lord, it's you that's the center of every life that's here. You alone deserve the glory. You alone deserve first place. And Lord, we want to give you that today. We want to give that to you in every exercise of this service, Lord. We want to welcome you, Lord, that you would find a place at every heart, that you'd go down every pew, that you'd go to every one and every place, from the mothers in the nursery, Lord, to the different ones where they are, even those that aren't with us. But Lord, we're asking, oh God, take this service. We don't place it in the hands of man, but we place it in the hands of God. Father, we're asking you, take us, Lord, minister to us. Let your spirit reign and rule in our midst. As we open the Bible this morning, Lord, I pray your anointing would rest upon us. Grant it, Lord. We invite you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you for the special. 
God bless you. Uh, we'll go directly to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Before you, we read that, I'm going to read you a quotation. This one is, there's two quotations, but I want to read this to you from The Seed is Not Heir with the Shuck. It says, the unbeliever cannot be heir with the believer. There's no way at all. That's the trouble today. You can't make a denominational chicken believe with an eagle. You can't do it. That's where the trouble comes. You've got to believe every word of God. Then he'll say in, in the same message, the natural cannot be heir with the spiritual. Ishmael's children cannot be heir with Isaac's children, and no way can the carnal be heir with the spiritual. I want to just read a little bit more. Church natural, church spiritual. There's a church natural that the women type, and there's a church spiritual. They are two different separate times, two different separate peoples under two separate covens, covenants. The rapture is different. It will only be for the royal seed of Abraham. Now, I, I, I'll just make a comment before I read. Sometimes we read that and we think, okay, it's the message here and them out there, and we make the line there. Sometimes we make it even in our own midst. We say, it's our church here, it's that church over there. But I want to take it a little further because I want it to take it right to us. Because we have a natural man, but we also have a spiritual man. So I want us to look and say, because we can be affected either way. So that's, that's where I'm going today, and I wanted to set that quote this morning. Let's read 2 Corinthians uh, let's just read ver chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? As I said on Wednesday, it's not who we think we are, or what other people think we are, or say we are. It's what God says about. It's what God witnesses by His Spirit in us. He says, verse 2, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Verse 6, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So the word held in our carnal man can be a very dangerous thing. 
But the word held by a believer sensitive to the Holy Spirit can be a powerful thing for the economy of God. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter Oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's just take verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and, uh, sorry, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. We are all growing in life. We all are moving along. We learn by experience. Paul then goes on to say, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now, when, when, when Moses looked at a slab of rock and he saw this slab of rock, everybody that went by that rock and said, that's just a piece of rock. But, um, sorry, when, when Michelangelo, I said Moses, I'm sorry. When Michelangelo looked at that rock and he saw, everybody saw the rock, but Michelangelo was looking beyond and he saw Moses in that rock. And so it is also with us. If we can envision ourselves, we are a slab of rock. God is working with us, forming with us. It's not the minute that you come in and you confess God and you're baptized uh, and, and that you're everything you should be, but he's working with us. He's working with me. He's working with you. He's working with this church. He's working with the body of Christ around the world. And we're coming into maturity. And along the way, there's a lot of groanings, and there's, there's a lot of struggle, and there's a lot of uncomfortable things, but thank God he's working, and he's moving with us. So, as, as Paul relates here, he's becoming something, and he says he knows it in part, but there's something that God knows him that he hasn't come to yet. Okay, so now go over to, with me to 1 John chapter Three, and then I'll stop reading for a little bit. First John chapter three, verse one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. So there's there's something. Just give me a little bit more volume, brother Tim. There's something in us that when you walk in the mall or you walk in the street or you work or you're at school, there's something in you that you can't project or manufacture yourself, but it's inherent and it comes with the new birth. It comes with being in the presence of God. In other words, you can't control it. Now, you can control your words, you can control your, your actions, and you can do those things, but there's something that emanates from the believer that is greater than themselves. They, they, the disciples in the very early part of the Christian church, they, they would look at them and they would make comments of them and they'd say, 
They've been with Jesus. And, and that's the way we really want to be known. We don't want to be known just by our uh, ability to rehearse scriptures, by our ability to play the part, so to speak. But we want to be known by what flows and comes out of us. And that's what God's desiring. So it says the world didn't know him. It doesn't know us. Therefore, he says it knew him not. But verse 2, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Now, I, I want to also take this quotation, and we know it, we know it well. And I'll, I'll read one first, I'll read a second. And Brother Branham would say, the Bible teaches us in the last day, days, two spirits will have a showdown that will not be through some doctrine of churches or something, but two spirits would be so close that it would deceive the very elect of possible. Now, you, no matter how learned you are in the message, no matter how much you, you might do things, we don't trust in ourselves, but we trust in the living God. We trust in the Christ that walks with us when we come to church, when we're in fellowship with believers. We don't trust in, in what, what we can relate to one another, but rather Him who is in us. So my, 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 my subject this morning, and I'll just use it as a title, I knew a man, but now I'm known by another. And, I, and, and the thought is, the man that we all knew is the sinful man that we carried much of our life, until God come. And if you're a, if you're a Christian, that old man, or, and, and I, I don't want to just say it as male only, but that that. that part, be it male or female, that old nature, that old thing, it still rises up. Doesn't matter if you're a believer, doesn't matter if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it still comes up. And sometimes if you're, if, if you're really walking close with God, you can actually detest yourself. You can detest what comes out, you can detest your reactions, but you, if you're really of God, you say, oh God, change that part of me. Make more of Christ to come out. And I believe that's our desire. That's why we're here this morning. Oh God, work with this, this slab of rock and keep molding it. So, so now he, he'll go on and say this, and this is in, in the church. Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. I, I don't want to just make this something that you slip into, but it says there's a spirit that would come into the church and try to defile it. And make it lukewarm. In fact, he says, these two spirits actually work within the framework of the Christian church. And within the message. My, we don't like to hear that. You know, if you, if you actually want to look at it, if God in heaven, under his first church, had, a, had a, an enemy rise up, a devil, and, and, and sway all the angels, and God foreknew it. If, if Paul, in his first church, had to deal with situations like he did at the Corinthians, where, where, where uh, a man had relations with, 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 his, with, 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 with part of his family, 
If, if that had to be there, if, if, it was here, if it was there then, it's here now. And the book of Acts would say, heresies must arise around you. So, but it's nothing to be afraid of. Say, so, well, I, I'm going to find a church somewhere where I don't have to deal with these things because I don't want to deal. You're never going to find it. It's going to, the Spirit's going to be there. And if it's not going to be in the church, it's going to follow you when you get up in the morning. It's going to follow you when you go to bed at night. It's going to follow you when you go to work. It's there. It's always around us. So let's not be sanctimonious this, this morning and say, well, I'm, thank God I'm immune from that. No, you're not. We all are subject to what Satan would try to infiltrate into our flesh, into our vessel. But God is also greater than all of that. So I knew a man, but now I'm known by another. And, and that man that we all know, the man with his faults and his failures, and sometimes they're reoccurring failures. I thought I had overcome that, and here it rises up again. But you know what? The God that knew you still is greater than what you know about yourself. I love how Brother Albert Green said, you can't stop you from coming to fruition. The old you can't stop you. But God is going to work on your behalf, and he's working right now. And I thank God that the Spirit of God is here this morning to dispel doubts, to wash away those cobwebs. He is God, and there is none like him. And he has a family on earth, and he knows them. That God that saw, was it Philip and Andrew, and, and or no, it was, uh, he, he says, uh, uh, who was it that he saw under the tree? My goodness, I'm over 50 now. <coughs> Actually, 10 years over 50. Plus, if you're, if you're going to be accurate, don't, don't, don't do that to me this morning. Listen, he says, I saw you under the tree. In other words, I know you. I know your beginning. I know where you came from. But I also know where I'm taking you. I also have something for you. You're not just that old man, but you're something new. And yes, that old thing will rise up. That old nature will haunt you. It will always be there. But also, there's something greater at work. That we can actually say, no, I'm not that anymore. It follows me. It, it's around me. But I, no, I've got nothing to do with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going on to glory. I'm, I'm marching on to Zion. Now, so he says, if we can get, if the people can get a true revelation of the true church and what she stands for, she can do the greater works. If they can get a revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless. So sometimes we work by association. Somebody has made a mistake or somebody has gone a certain direction and we think, ah, they must be of that other spirit. I'll stay away from them. Can I just say something? Sometimes that antichrist spirit tries to work in you and in me 
and we need to discern and withstand it within ourselves, not just label somebody else. In fact, somebody out there may be just influenced, and they need you to stand for them, and they need you to stand in their place. That's what we're called for. But the whole thing is we're working together. We're allowing God to flourish. Friends, I'll tell you what, if you got trouble with, with any issue, do what Esther did. Her trouble was with Haman. What did she do with Haman? She brought him to the feast. Hey, come to the feast. Come to the presence of the king. Hey, he's got something for you. I'll tell you what, you got trouble with the Spirit, bring it to church. Bring it under the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't stay away. Bring it here. Because God is more than able. The king is here. The word is here. And he will take care of it. Don't run. Sometimes we got to drag our flesh to come here. But if there's a little nudge inside of you, follow that. Bring it. Let God work with it. So it's not in association of people that we're dealing with here. When we think of you know, we, 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 we place people. I think we got to drop these things. I think we got to, you know, it's such a fine line. My brother and my sister, the prophet would say, it's going to get to be such a narrow thing. And that's where we're living right now. And it's not just by which church, and it is important that you make a decision where you attend church. But I'll tell you what, it's bigger than that. It, it is, and it is not just in having the right doctrine punctuating every word, but the ultimate manifestation is in the flesh. The ultimate manifestation is what spirit is dominating me? What spirit is moving me? Because you don't control it. It controls you. And we can try to say, well, I was this, but I'm this, and I got it now. And we, we think we're, we're going to do God's work for him because, you know, I'm a believer and I do all those things. I'll tell you what, we find out we need him more than we've ever needed him. He's still the God that, that, that came after Noah had built the ark, after he had brought the message, after he had done everything. He's still the God that had to take that porous wood and fill it with his spirit. He's still the God that took a group of disciples and gathered them in an upper room. And though they, they were called out and separated and seen all that he'd done, they still needed that God inside of them. And we need that God in us to overcome in this last day. We can't put him in some thinking, but he has to dwell in the teenager. He has to dwell in the mother and the father. He has to dwell in the officers. He has to dwell in the ministers. It's that God that we need to see. <coughs> now, I want to just take this for a moment because think about Israel when they were called out. They left Egypt under signs and wonders. They crossed the Red Sea. They saw their enemy destroyed and they were on the other side and I'll tell you what, it was so real to them, it, it brought something forth. It wasn't when they got to the other side and they said, and they rehearsed, this is what God did through Moses, this is what, what he did there. That was part of their conversation. But I'll tell you what, they knew something happened. 
they knew the supernatural God had come on the scene. And when he did, they took out a tambourine. And they took out this, and they actually began to dance. And they began to rejoice because they knew what the old land was. And now they knew this was different, and God was doing something. And if you're a believer, you know what the old man was, the old woman was. You know what was there, and you know where he's brought you from. And I'll tell you what, you always need to keep that in your remembrance and say, God, don't let me go back there. Don't let me regress, but let me keep moving on. And if there's something that you have as a remembrance of that and it bothers you sometimes, thank God it bothers you. If you lust, thank God it's there because not everybody's bothered by that. But the fact that it bothers you and it keeps you on your edge and keeps you praying, thank God for that. If you had a temper, thank God that you remember it and you're careful with it. Whatever we have, and if you have a weakness in a particular area, thank God you remember it. And you're dragging some of that around with you as you walk on this earth because your soul might be fine, your spirit might be doing well, but this flesh is not redeemed yet. And you continually have got to bring it into subjection every day. So there was something that they remembered, something that they knew, something that they could say, I've come somewhere. I've, I've tasted of another land. Ah, there's something that's happened. Oh, I, I trust you remember. Let's never forget that. The enemy, oh, he'll bring so much discouragement and so much clouds and to hinder our minds. And sometimes we wonder, where's the sun anymore? But oh God, it's still there. He's still there. Remember him. Make him the focus of your attention. Make him the focus of your prayer life. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for, yes, we have needs. But start by thanking him. Start by praising him. And when you do that, they'll start to roll away. You'll remember the old days. You'll, and it'll bring you further into new things. I'm, I'm just speaking from my heart this morning. I really had another subject I was preparing, and as I was preparing, it was one of those services where I, I can't even get into that until I do this first. So I'm doing this first. Okay, is that all right? I have to take my notes and just revise them. Late last night and this morning, because I, 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 I got to leave the other part off to the future. But we got to start here. Let's, let's just take it and say, Lord, let me remember what I was brought from. Let me remember the rock that I was hewn from. Let me just have thanks for that. That was an old man. I'm on a journey. Let me keep walking with you now. Now I want to take Paul for a moment. Paul, the, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Brother Dan, I have some of these that I didn't give you. So I ran out of time back there. But Philippians chapter 3, if you'll turn to that, we're going to read from verse 1. And just let me... Read a little bit, but I want you to think about the messenger. You know, we, this world around us, they'll, you have a hero, whether it be in, in sports or in sewing or whatever it is, you know, and they'll put that as an idol. You gotta, we can make a danger about putting the messenger up on a pedestal. Oh, Brother Branham said, and then if he was here, and, and it's just on another. Yeah, but he was a gifted man that held an office that God gave, but he was also a human being. And, and we need to, he needs to say, don't look at me. 
Look at the one who has saved me and brought me. And I believe if he was here, he wouldn't point to himself. He would point to Christ. And we need to do that. So think about that messenger, but think about this one, which was Paul here, as we just read from him, Philippians 3, verse 1. And he's telling the Philippians, you know, rejoice, so rejoice in the Lord. I, I know there's some things that are grievous. I'm just going to be a little bit loose with how I read this. Beware of dogs. Now, that, he didn't specify what type of dogs, if it was labs or whatever it was. But, but uh, you know, he just, golden retrievers, poodles or whatever. He didn't say that. But he just said, he's talking about that which nips at you and bites at you. And, and, and he's saying, beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Now, this, this is funny that, that he would use this kind of language. But, but remember, this is Paul who had to address the Corinthians church, and he had to tell them, you know, you were called out. You've been given a liberty, but I'm fearful of you because you've gone back to a natural way of thinking. You've allowed, you observe days and months, and now you, you punctuate the message, and you make it that it's got to be this, it's got to be this, and it's got to be this. You're losing the focus of it. The focus is Christ in you. And we need to remember that. It's the spirit that we carry with us in our words, in our conversation, in everything. So Paul is now talking about what, what, what you've done, you know, and he's saying this. We are the circumcision. You know, they, they, remember, this is a Jewish people that had been raised up under generations of the law. Which We are the circumcision which worship God and the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and fully believe in everything our flesh can manifest. Sorry. I, I, I had to try to make a point. I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> so he says, no, we have no confidence in the flesh. Brother Branham would say, there's a huge difference between David and David in the spirit. David... As David was, saw a woman on a rooftop and allowed lust to overtake him. But David in the spirit would take, uh, when his men fought through and brought him a drink, that David would say, no, it's not for my flesh. It's unto the Lord, and I give this offering unto the Lord. There's a big difference. And you know, sometimes we can't see when we slip from one mode to the other. But listen to how Paul is bringing back here. He's saying, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more so circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Could you imagine if he had a business card and he had all those things? Hey, this is who I am. Look at this. Give me some honor. Give me some respect. But, they, but, but Paul would say, no, I want none of that. Paul, he goes on to say, he says, I, I could trust in all of that. You know, we, we, can, we can ride on somebody's coattails. I had a man here years ago, and he, he wanted to preach here really badly. And, and he says, look it. And he said, and, I, and I'm just discerning the spirit a little bit. And, and he says, here, I, I, I'm a friend of Brother Harold's. And, and, and I... I thought, okay, and, and, and Donnie Reagan's too, and he sends me a picture of himself between Brother Harold and Brother Donnie Reagan, as if that it should entitle you to preach. Right. But the way he was going about it was all wrong. 
And I said, no, thank you. And finally, after the third or fourth email, I did some checking back in the country where he comes from and find out that the man would leave his church at home and go on a, I call it a fundraising tour. And, and he would leave his church for, for months at a time. I say, no, thank you. I'd like a man who's honorable, who's faithful, and a gift makes room for itself. A gift doesn't project itself. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into that. It wasn't in my notes, but I, I believe we want to just say, Lord, you identify me. You, oh Lord, let others be known. If you have something for me, you make a way for me. So he says, concerning the zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is the law, I was blameless. And that was all like a gain to him. But he says, I count all of those things a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Oh Lord, can we, can we just go to this simplicity? I've been in the message so many years and I got a perfect understanding of the seals. I know where the trumpets fit. I know where all of this is. I can dissect it. I could read it. That's what the Pharisees did. They could put a pinhole through the scrolls and they know. Listen, friends, it's one thing to know about the message. But it's another thing to know the person of the message. And I want to know the person of the message. And I want to carry him with me when I come to the pulpit. I want to carry him with me when I wake up in the morning. When I go out, I want to carry him with me. Friends, that is where we need to start from. If we've, if we've gotten off of that a little bit and we're, we find ourselves a little over here, over there, let's get back on that, that pedestal and say, Lord, this is my root. This is my anchor. You are my anchor. <coughs> do you ever get off that? Yes, I do. I'm not going to be projecting that I'm some kind of, I'm not. But I'm thankful that when I do find myself too far, just something starts tugging and pulling me. Come back. Come back over here. Come back. And then when you get too far this way, some just says, hold on a second. Just, just come, 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 come. Oh, he's wonderful, friends. He's our, he's our guide. He's, he cares for us. He, he loves us. He wants to live in us. He wants to live in every member of this church, the young people. He wants to live in, in, in everyone. He wants to live in your wife. Can you make room for that? You know, it's not all about me. You know, once in a while it's, you know, Paul would make the statement, you know, we, we've majored so much on let the women keep silence. It doesn't say keep silence at home. Let them ask their husbands is what it also says. What's wrong with having a discussion with your wife? What's wrong with bringing it to practical terms sometimes? What's wrong with talking with your children and, and, and talking about the things that matter to them? Uh, let, let's make the message attainable. Let's make it real. Let's make it something that, that, that actually has practical application. Listen, I, I'll use this definition. I, I love this. I've taken it for years. But if you take the thought in the Bible... And you take no or known, I think it's like 300 times it's in the Bible. But when you take it and you take the meaning in the Hebrew, it's the, Greek, it's the Hebrew word yada. And it means to know means to perceive, to distinguish, 
to discriminate, to recognize, to be acquainted with. Okay, I, I know, you know, Brother Bannon would talk about Adam knew his wife. Now that, that was a fairly, uh, if you understand the meaning, that, that was a full depth meaning of knowing. Okay? And then Jesus comes over in the New Testament and he was talking about all these people that followed me. I did this, I did this. He says, depart from me. I never even knew you. Oh, I don't want to be there. Don't be disappointed when you get there. If you feel that you don't know him the way you ought to know him, you know all it takes right now is just to be honest and lift your hand and say, Lord, I don't know you the way I should. And I want to know you better. And you know what? He'll honor that. He'll, he'll come to that. Because he loves an honest heart. He loves it when, when we say, come into my heart, Lord. So, so under the Hebrew... It says this, you go into the Greek, the, the word know means genosko, which is to perceive or to understand. It's also a Jewish idiom for sexual relationship, to become acquainted. But it makes this distinction. To the Greeks, to know meant to know facts. Okay? And, 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 and sometimes we've become that way even in the message. So the facts don't necessarily affect one's conduct. In other words, you're, you're, if you can view it this way, you're carrying around a suitcase up here, and you're walking around to everybody, and, and once in a while you open it up to somebody. Okay? But the Jewish way, this is what it was said, he says, knowledge is always manifested in one's conduct. What do you know about the message? Well, here, let me open my suitcase and show you. No, I see that you know something by the way you walk and by the way you talk and by the way you approach things and the spirit that you engage with and how you are to others. So actually, to know him is not just factual, intellectual knowledge. To know him, to really know him, is an integration of this into a spirit that starts to manifest and flow out from you. So in other words, knowledge always manifests in one contact. And it says, one did not really know something until the fact had a practical outworking in his life. Oh, my. And Paul comes in 1 Corinthians 13. We know in part, but we don't know in fullness yet. Friends, it's going to take perfect love. It's going to, we need fervent love one for another. We need love, as we spoke on Wednesday, for the sinner. We need love for, for the brother that's wrong or the brother that might have, the sister that might have a wrong. We need to have love for ourselves sometimes when we've disappointed ourselves. But listen, no matter how much we've done it, he still loves you. He still loves me. He, he loves us. I, I'm thankful his love doesn't change. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Oh, I love when the prophet, you say, is the prophet deep? Oh, yeah, he's deep. Deep means different things to different people. You know, deep, oh, oh I love the way he tied together the trumpets with the vials and interwove it with the seals and placed it between Daniel's 70 weeks and did this, 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 this. 
And, 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 and then the prophet comes along and says, and he, is he deep? Yeah, he's deep. And he says, and he would step up and say, oh, isn't he lovely? Isn't he lovely? That's deep. That's deep. Oh, I, I want to know him. Uh, give me a little bit of both. Because the John, John the Revelator that spoke the series on, on, on Revelation, he also had the book of 1 John to couple that. So if, if people got too far into that, he, he says, hey, come back here, 1 John. My little children, love one another. <laughs> Have you heard my series on love yet? He says, just love one another. <laughs> oh, isn't the gospel good? Isn't Christ good? Let's give him a hand clap. Amen. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your long-suffering with us. Thank you for your long-suffering with me. Thank you, Lord, that you will still do great things among us. Thank you, Lord. My. So here's Paul. He's, he's explaining these things, and, and he goes now, he says, it's nothing but dung, all this past. Verse 9 in Philippians chapter 3, he says, that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, not his own righteousness. And then he says in verse 10, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. Friends, I want to know him, not in, as the resurrection as some future event, but a resurrection that's happening right now. I've been resurrected from the world. I've been resurrected. And we have different challenges than we had before. But I've been resurrected from my own thinking. I've been resurrected from my own righteousness. I'm being resurrected from the things of the world. I'm being resurrected to live a little higher. I'm being res res resurrected from TikTok and YouTube and social media. It's there. It's in the background. It's in part. But I'm being resurrected above that. I'm being resurrected that I can live above my own flesh. That I can live above my own reaction sometimes. That I can live above my own thick gray matter that gets in the way sometimes. Oh, blood. take that out, Lord. Take that, that whatever's blocking the channels, Lord. Let it, let it, let it work. Oh, as, as Brother Branham would say in Broken Cisterns, and he would say that little artesian well that was bubbling. It was bubbling, and it was bubbling, and he would, and he would say, what, what makes you bubble? Is, is it like you doing? He said, no, something's pushing me. Something underneath I can't control. Something greater. Oh, it, when, you know, it's so easy to drop into a channel. You know, you, you can be walking one minute in the spirit and you're just having a good time and, and the devil just nudges you over a little bit. And now you're saying the same words. Now you're doing it, but you're not doing it by something pushing you anymore. You're doing it with a little bit of a sanctimonious religious fervor and, 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 and it's so easy to slip into that. You know, I, I marvel just texting with a brother the other day and he, he just said we really should get together and talk because texts can be so mis easily misunderstood and you know what you know what texting has done 
you know, we, we, if we really have the love of God in our hearts, we come home in the evening and, Lord, if I've done anything or if somebody did something to me, because it's two sides, it's receiving and it's giving. And the receiving, sometimes you think somebody said that about me, did that about me, but you, you work and you pray and, Lord, don't let me develop an attitude, don't let me develop a bitterness. And, and we have to work hard with that. But then there's another part it's what we give out. And, and you know what texting and emails do? Because it's so quick sometimes. We just shoot it out without thinking about the impact that it's making. We don't see face-to-face what it's causing somebody to do. When you have a face-to-face conversation, you can ca- say something, and to one person, you watch them hang their head. And you immediately know, okay, hold on a second, what did I say? And you start to correct that. But when you text, you don't even know what you've done. And you know, it's created, I would call it a little bit of a hardness. That, hey, ah, I, don't, I'm, I can just shoot that off. And if they don't receive it, that's their fault. Is it really? Or is it us sometimes? This, this is the world we live in, friends. And, and we need to take accountability. I need to take accountability. Sometimes we brush things off. You know, Brother Branham, here, here he comes. This is the sensitivity of a prophet. And he says, he's talking about a man who was in false doctrine. He said, oh, I could twist that guy and no problem flat. And then he stops and says, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that that way. Uh, he corrected me on that. I, I, I think we need to live more in that place. I knew a man. <laughs> I knew a man that did those things. But I don't want to be known by that man. I want to be known by the new man. And we need to start looking to what he has for us. Is, is this all right? Listen, I, if I, I'm, I'm talking to myself. Because, because the world is, it's taken a degree of, made things impersonal. And, and it's made things that, that now we, we have so much room for interpretation. And, and we say, well, I didn't mean it that way, but if you took it that way, your problem. No, it isn't that. I think we both need to come together and say, hey, Lord, Lord, I, maybe I didn't say that. Maybe that was, you know, Brother Brandon would, would say, your first, your old nature, sometimes it rises up first. When Brother Branham, prophet to the age, under divine love, just walking in the presence of God, crossing a field, killer bull over there, what was the first thing he did? He reached for his gun. The natural man. (laughs) Brother Bannon would make a statement like, sometimes we're driving around the road and we find ourselves speeding. Just caught up. Caught up in the world. And this is what he said. When you see yourself doing it, just stop. (laughs) Oh, Right, brother, where's Brother Philip? <laughs> Spoke to the young people. That was a good point. <laughs> Just stop. Oh, I'm sorry, friends. This may not be... I'm sorry I didn't tap into the book of Revelations yet, okay? <laughs> is, is this all right? I knew a man. Do you know, your, do you know the old man that you were? Do you see him rise up? Do you know what troubles you? Do you know what you have to go back and repent for time and time and time again? Say, okay, God, I'm tired of repenting. Change this in me. Make me different. 
Two hands up. Two hands up here. That's me. Paul, he's, he's going that I may know him. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, attained either were already a perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which I am apprehended of for Christ. So in other words, yeah, I, he took me from here, but he has something for me. Let's just go quickly. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. <coughs> Second Corinthians 12. Now, here's Paul, way down here. If you focus on that too much, you're going to fail. Oh, it keeps dragging me down. I'll never make it. Okay, you can't look at that only. If you look at that, you're going to fail. God doesn't want you to look at that only. Okay, I'm bringing you back, okay? I brought you over here. I didn't cut the limb off. So let's go back to the other side of the tree for a minute, okay? Now here's Paul, and, and Paul says, it is not expedient, verse, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to rev visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man. Now he, knew, he knows another man here. I knew a man in Christ, in Christ. That was the difference. Above four, 14 years ago, whether I was in the body, I cannot tell. Whether I was out of the body, I cannot tell. Does that sound like a prophet who was laying on a bed one time? I don't know what happened. I was laying on the bed, but I was up here. I was down here, but I was up there. This is Paul speaking. And God knoweth such a one was caught up to the third heavens. Now, can you imagine this? Like, I don't know what the first heaven is, but he was caught up into the third heaven. You look at all the statements Brother Branham makes about, about it. All he says, it's glorious beyond our comprehension. Oh, when, you, when we get to the other side, we're going to realize that the Holy Ghost we have was manifest in such perfect love that it was manifest, that it was, it was far beyond what we knew down here. So it's not what we know here. It's what the Spirit is leading. I know there's something beyond the veil. I know it's there. I can touch it. I've had little glimpses of it. Well, Paul had a huge glimpse. And because Paul had that glimpse, it, it, it was so great to him. And so he would, he would go on. I'm not going to read all of this. I was caught up into paradise. I heard unspeakable words which it's not lawful for a man to utter. I have so much reason to glory. You know, he could have gone everywhere and, and preached it. I was up here and you're down here. Na, 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 na. That wasn't what Paul did. Paul, because that was so glorious, he came down. And now look at how what God had to do to him to temper that. Now God, he says now, lest, verse 7, lest I be exalted through the measure, above measure through the abundance of revelations, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Oh, wow. Has God ever done great things for you? You know, when God does something for us, we just, oh, man, God must have favor on me. I'm just one of his special people. And you know what? You're good to no one when you're like that. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you a little thorn. <laughs> to Paul, I believe it was his eyes, Brother Branham said. And, and, he, and he says, lest I be exalted. And, and Paul, Paul would say, 
Uh, I besought... I besought the Lord three times that it could be taken from me. And then God gives him the right perspective. He says, Paul, it's better that you have this infirmity that the power of God could rest on you. Because Paul, if you could do it yourself and if you could rely on that experience and you could rely on everything that you are, you, you, you're, you're not going to be good to anybody. And, and he, would, he would go on and tell this to Paul, and, and as he would, would talk to him, and Paul would say, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in all these other things. And, and he, he, would, he would just go on with all of these different things. I, I, somebody sent me something the other day, and, and it says, uh, oh, if I could just find it real quick here. If I can't, I'll, I'll share it with you some other time. But it was something along the lines, God gives us joy... And other people are perturbed when you have joy. And, and, and then he, he they, they're, they're, they're perturbed by it. But when you're in distress and such, they're happy for you and they still can't understand why you have joy. Because I'm like Paul. He says, this is done for me that I can make it home safely. That I can be a benefit to my brother and my sister. I, I, you know what? A Christian life is a misunderstood life. It's a mystical life. We don't understand it. We don't know what it does. Okay. I, got, I got really got to move forward. So Paul had both of these things. And so he, had, he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. Then, now just go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. No, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Sorry. A little dyslexic there for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1. Now here's Paul now, what did, what did this low spot and this high spot do to him? Verse 2, he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I didn't have business cards printed up showing all my credentials. But I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, I want to present Christ to you. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I didn't read this quote on, 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 on Wednesday, but Brother Branham would say, Now, you sisters... Don't go out and have long hair just because I told you. That's an amazing statement. He says, you mean we're not supposed to love? No, you're supposed to have long hair. But don't have it just because somebody told you to do it. Do it because the Holy Spirit has made it real to you. Oh, Touch not, taste not, do that. That's what happened to the Pharisees. And they missed Christ. They missed Christ. I got I to read this quote. This, this was so wonderful to me. Five senses does not control the sixth sense, but the six controls the five. Now the natural man is born with these senses. They're nature-given senses. And the only thing he'll ever know is in his intellectual thinking. He can think as a man, see as a man, understand, hear, he says, but when he becomes regenerated, or what we call born again, then that sixth super sense takes a hold of him. Oh, I, I love it when that happens. And he says, 
In doing so, that super sense raises him up to a spot where he has faith to believe things that he could not hear, to things that he could not see. Oh, when it's governed by that sixth sense, how marvelous it is. Oh. You know what? You, people look at you and say, I think it was we, we all, Brother Len, you remember Brother Rolf Gray? Brother Rolf Gray, he came to church. Some of you might remember him. He was like, his hair was down to here. And, and Brother Doug McHugh's was preaching the service. And, and he, in the middle of the service, maybe, just as he's preaching, and he, he took out, he just started in the Brother McHugh's. And, and you long-haired hippies. And, and you'd think that was condemning. And, and, but Brother Rolf wasn't seeing himself that way anymore. And he said, amen. <laughs> you know, it was Brother David McGarry. He has a wonderful testimony if you ever get a chance to, to hear it. But Brother David McGarry, God had done a transformation in him. He was living as a hippie. He had a little cult following, a little, you know, he was known as the Wizard of Oz or something like that. He wore a white robe and he had chanted mambo. And, and he was equating that with spirituality. But when God came in his heart, he had most, one of the most supernatural experiences I ever heard. He, he said he was up on the roof and a voice spoke to him about Romans and about how the Romans, and he talked about how, how they degraded into sin, but God called us out and, and he received it at that instant. He said it was like a voice. A voice spoke to him on a roof. And, and he received it and he found himself weeping. And he found himself weeping. And then he was up on the roof, and, it, and this is how instantaneous the change was. And he was up on the roof, because he was in the middle of a drug raid. The police were flushing the whole place for drugs and everything. And he'd climbed up on the roof, and that's where God spoke to him. And he, he's looking from the roof, and he sees a little girl falling from a bicycle. And he goes running down to the street, and he says... Oh, little sister, are you all right? And she looks up at him and goes, ah! <laughs> but the inside had changed. That's right. And you know the amazing part about this whole testimony? The voice that spoke to him on the roof, he kind of heard the voice. The first time he ever came in contact with the message and he heard Brother Branham's voice, he said, that was the voice I heard on the roof. That was the voice. This message is real. It's real. <laughs> so Brother Adam would say, here he goes, this says, now, angelic beings associate together. Listen, just think about it. When you're born, the minute you're born, think about this. You have dropped the Holy Spirit around you. You have dropped into another realm. You are a candidate for association with the unseen world and the supernatural. You're born again. Now angels can come and speak to you. Oh, friends, this goes beyond what our five senses are. You're a candidate to dwell in that realm. All you got to do is yield and open up to it. And God could do so much for us. He says, no wonder people can't believe in these things because they've never come in contact. You've got nothing in here to believe with. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, he says, you're a twofold being, one of the earth to die, one of heaven to live. Amen. In his body, he's still subject to death, but in his soul, he's passed from death unto life. 
In his body, he has earthly contact with five senses. He has contact with God through the Holy Ghost. Okay, where are we at? I just, I, I'm just conscious of where the Spirit's leading us this morning. Go with me for a moment to the book of Samuel. <coughs> First Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel, I'm jumping ahead. 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, I want you to think about, you knew an old man, but now you're into this new man, but this old man keeps tugging on you. Okay, here's Israel. They had left Egypt behind. They had come out into Canaan, the new land. But as they're in the new land, they're looking around, and they see the structure of other nations, and they're looking at all of these things. And so, here it's in chapter 8, verse 1, Samuel was old, and he made his sons judges, but I won't read all of this, it goes right down to verse 4, the judges began to pervert judgment, they didn't do the right things, and, and they came to Samuel in verse 5 and said, you're old, and your sons walk not in your ways, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations." But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Now, look at how the devil, God was going to be their king. But the devil projected a human element into here. And they looked at it, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord says in verse 7, hearken unto the voice of the people in all they say to you. They've not rejected thee, but they've rejected me. You know, sometimes when we carnalize things too much, you know, it happened to a couple who came into church and they thought it was just Peter that was speaking. But they failed to see it was the Holy Ghost. And when, because they viewed it naturally, carnally, listen, this goes to every office of this church. The deacons that are here are not just policemen in the natural, but they're men that are led by the Spirit. They discern, they watch things. And you need to respect them. You can't just say, oh, that's Brother Allen, or that's Brother Jake, or Brother Jared, or Brother Dwayne, or Brother Tito isn't here. But you, you, we gotta be careful we don't do that. We gotta be careful we don't do that to our, our, our spouse. There's this element of what we call commonality. And it's too common. And we fail to see God in one another. And you know, it's the devil that will try to show us the backside. You know what, it, it's, 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 and we all have a backside. Uh, listen, I, I have one, we all do. You know, one, one of the most embarrassing things is you go to a hospital room and they make you put on those gowns. You ever see those gowns? You know, and you got visitors? You know, when, when you got look at the backside of those things, they're, they're not, it's not too pretty sometimes. And listen, I, I got to go to the washroom. Can you leave just so I can dash to the washroom and you don't see my backside? Listen, I'm trying to make it graphic here. Maybe that's too graphic for some. <laughs> too much information, Brother Ed. I, I got some pictures there that shouldn't be there in my mind right now. Listen, there's a backside. Your children, they're not renegades. There's potentially a seed of God there. And you need to treat it that way. No matter where they are. The Bible put in, if they depart, 
or if they leave, but he says, they will not depart forever because God has placed something in them. So you, you need to respect, no matter where they're at, I believe they're a son or a daughter of God. I believe God can pull them back. Even if I perish after I leave, I believe my prayers will still be there for them. I believe that. That's why we preached. Jesus was the sinner's friend. We need to be the sinner's friend. We need to be there for one another. Unconditionally. So commonality. Commonality makes us and we don't give it the reverence we ought to. God help us. Listen, you can't do this yourself. I can't do it myself. But I believe the Holy Spirit can just lift us up a little lever. We know in, uh, we know in part, but we're moving a little higher. Let's not let the old thinking come in. Okay? So here's Israel. They came out of Egypt. Here they see all these other nations. So then... God tells Samuel, he says, okay, they've, they've rejected me, but now you tell them what the king's going to do. He's going to make horses, and he's going to do all those things. He's going to appoint captains, and, and he's going to reap their harvest. He'll take the daughters to be confectioners. He'll take cooks and bakers. He'll take your fields, your vineyards. He'll take a tenth of your seed. He'll take all of these things. He'll take your men servants, your maidservants, a tenth of your sheep, and you're going to cry out to the Lord because of the king that you have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you that day. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. That we may be like all the nations and our king may judge us and go before us. I do not want this church to be just like all the churches. I want this to be a place, though we may have pastors, though we may have deacons, though we may have officers, but all of these are done allowing the king to dwell in our midst. In other words, the preacher doesn't force you to do something. The deacon doesn't call you up to do something. But all we do is present Christ. And, and we, we carry our duty as servants. We come to this place. Now, Lord, you take the service. Now you take over. You can't save your son, your daughter. You can't save your relative. But you can present Christ to them. And I say this. Let us present Christ to one another. You know what the biggest problem we have is our humanity, we try to control things ourselves. Do you know how denomination starts in the church age book? I'm not going to read the quotes because I think it just maybe takes away from it. But the church age, it, they all, a denomination started on this principle. We have this precious truth. We need to hold on to it. We need to guard it. So, so here, here's, here's, we're going from glory to glory. So we started here in the world. God saved us. We came to Calvary. Now we're going a little further and God reveals things to us about the future. And we say, oh, this is great. This is so real, so personal. And so we, we say, this is it. This is where we got to camp down. And by the time you camp down, God's kept moving here. And we fail to go on with God. Friends, we can't control the Holy Spirit. When you try and I try, if I try... I am, I am at risk of being alienated from God. 
We want to give him the preeminence. We don't want to control it. It controls us. We don't force it on people. We don't control it. Listen, I, I, I really got to share this. This was such a blessing to me. It came to me on, on Friday at the youth meeting. But what, why do we fail? Because we try to do it in ourselves. Moses was a total failure. There may be men here this afternoon, maybe ministers, that's been total failures. Maybe you have been as a housewife. Maybe you've been as a student at school. Maybe you've been as a child to your parents. I, I've come short. I, I could say I probably come short on all of those except the housewife part. I, that's the truth. I'm telling the truth. So he says, now, maybe you've done that. Whatever you have been, whatever you have been, parenthesis, let that be a has-been and start from today. Every once in a while, you know, your computer doesn't work and you find it just blocks up and, you know, it's like, it's like the team of uh, Windows engineers. They were driving down the road and they were driving down the road and the car just wouldn't go anymore. And one of the Windows engineers had a great thing. Maybe we should roll down all the windows get out and come back in and roll them up and it'll start again. It's, it's a Windows engineer. So th they teach you that. You know, you go on the helplines, your computer doesn't work, just reboot it. And it, it starts fresh. Do you know that we need a reset every day? Do you know that sometimes we need a reset in our Christian life? Sometimes we just got to say, Lord, okay, I, I feel like I've been tossed here and tossed there. Let me just anchor down here for a little bit. Let me get my heart right with you a little bit more than I have been. Let me get my attitude right. And then, Lord, I'm ready. You keep working with me. I'm, I'm preparing my heart, Lord. I think I, I need that. We need that. We all need that. Sometimes in a marriage you need a reset. Too much things going on. You need to get to know your wife. Get to know your children. Hands up. Both hands up again. You need to just... Take her out on an evening, maybe on a vacation to Hawaii with the whole family or something, and just saying, you know. And there ought to be about a 12 or 10, 10 or 12 hands that should have gone up right now. Is your hand up there, Brother Landon? Is your hand up? It is. Yeah, let's go to Hawaii. That's what he just said. <laughs> Listen, you need that. So Brother Adam says, maybe you've been a failure as a Christian. Maybe you failed to go on with God. Oh, he says, it has been. Now take note of what I'm going to say in the next few minutes, he says. Moses failed in Egypt, born to be a deliverer. Why did he fail? Because he did it in himself. So the old man, some of what we carry with us is, I got this, I can do this, when really God wants to do it by his spirit. Not David in the flesh, David in the spirit. And he says, and anytime you take things upon yourself and you leave God out, you're going to be a failure like Moses was. If you're in a marriage and you make demands of your wife or of your husband or your children, and you do that just in a lateral level without the triangular relationship to God, I guarantee you, you're going to have a military camp when you're done 
or your home's going to be broken up. You're going to have one of the two. God give us the spirit of Christ. So he, he finishes saying here, here, I, I won't read all of it, but he says, he, try, he failed because he failed to put God first. Now listen to this next one. This is the very next sentence. I think that's what's the matter with the churches. Brothers, when it gets to a place that we put our church first instead of Christ. Oh, but I've invested everything into this church. Take Christ with you. If you put your church first instead of Christ, you're going right straight down. And you know, sometimes we like to boast, oh, so-and-so came over to our church. God's working with us. We're the group. No, I believe we're part of the body, not just a group. And I think, as we said on Wednesday, we need to be able to, as, as God said in Deuteronomy, love the stranger. And he commands them to love it because I love the stranger. And when we start to polarize and we put divisions and say this and this, listen, I believe in respect for the, the individual body that's here, but I also believe that it doesn't mean you cut out everybody else. When you put just that, he says, you're on your road down. He says, that's what he says. Now he says, when you put them as an individual, in other words, you just characterize them, oh, that's brother so-and-so. Listen, does it, this, this really cut to me. And I said, God, where have I done this? When you put your soul, church first, your social life first, instead of your spiritual life you're going to fail. So here's what Israel's doing. He's going, you know what? We want to have our own handle on this thing. We want it to be the way we can control it. I, I marvel at the body of Christ. I marvel how God constructed the first temple. He had one brother over here, this is Solomon's temple, cutting the wood, you know, just hewing it down. And then, and it was, had another brother cutting stone over here. And I don't know all the intricacies. They never saw each other. But maybe that piece of wood, that log, had to rest in a stone that was going to be there. And when it was all going to be transported, it had to fit because there wasn't even going to be a sound of a hammer in that temple ground. So the God that was working on the brother over there, and maybe he was about to cut off a big sliver, and something stopped him. He said, no, I think that's right. And this brother here, who had maybe cut a little too deep, and he said, no, I, I better leave that there. Not knowing it was going to fit just perfectly. It's supernatural, friends. It's not me or, or some other brother or, or some, some headquarters. I, I, I feel like we run danger. I, I watch some of the things that are going on around, and I, I'll tell you what, personally I get grieved 
When, when, when you have men that, that all of a sudden they put the clamps around something and say, this is the doctrine. I, I, I was so grieved when I came back from Africa five years ago because I witnessed some of what was going on and how there was just beginning to form something. And I listened to the message, doing God a service without doing his will. And it all of a sudden clicked. I thought, this message was supernaturally led right for the time we're in. And in that message, there was three things that stood out to me. David, he had the ark, but he never consulted the prophet. And there's one major prophet to an age. Secondly, he put that ark on a new cart. Not on the shoulders of the Levites. And Brother Branham says these words. He says, they carried it over their shoulders because that was right where their heart was. And he says, the word of God is meant to be carried on a heart. Not a heart that was like graven in stones, but a heart of flesh. That when we minister, not just the brother in the pulpit, but when we speak to one another, that we don't just provide this this, this, without any solution. Without some form of redemption in there. Because God always comes with that. I, part of the service I really wanted to go on was the God's, God separating two tribes under Judah versus the rest of Israel. And Lord willing, I'll get into it in another service. But, but look, look at, that was the second thing. And, and God designed the, the word, the word in this last day, is, it's a one-man message, but God also has many members under that. And then the last thing was David. David in the spirit, a man of God. But David's, David bypassed the prophet. David put it on a new ark. Anointed, Brother Van said, anointed. And this was his goal. His goal was to bring it to his own house. Not to bring it to Jerusalem, to the capital, but to bring it to myself where I can say, I've got control of this. Do you see how easy it is to slip into these things? I, I fear lest I would project just myself. Let me project Christ. And I would say, for every one of us, let me project Christ in all my conversation and everything I do. But here is Israel natural they, they, they saw, they took a carnal thinking of all the kings and they tried to place it over into the living organism, the church of God. And I say, oh God, yes, there is, there's got to be structure, there's got to be governments, but there's also got to be you. There's also got to be an underlying love. There's also got to be room for him to work. Let's have the musicians come. I have more on my notes, but I'm not going to go there any further. I think we've brought it to a place. So Brother Ed, are you picking on? No, I'm, I'm actually saying this to all of us. We have known in part, but I say, Lord, let me make room for more of Christ in my words, in my deeds, in, in, in how I extend myself to my fallen brother, sister in giving grace for somebody who doesn't see it just my way. And me not being, you know, I, I had to learn something. You know, just sometimes it's best just to be quiet. When, when my wife and I got married and somebody gave us a card, and uh, 
And in the card it said, African proverb, he who is quiet first ends the argument. <laughs> right? Are you, sorry, I, I'm not trying to make it. Not that we've got major issues at home or anything, okay? But it's, okay, now I've gone this far. I'm just going to keep going on the limb, right? Here's the, the here's the, the, the in, in the early days of the land, here's the Indian chief, and here's, here's the, 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 he's got one of the, the, the early immigrants here, and they're, they're, they're out foraging, doing whatever they are, and they've gone across the chasm, and the Indian chief is, 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 is sending a signal back to his wife by, didn't have cell phones, didn't have anything, but by a puff of cloud, you know, just smoke signals, right? So, the smoke signal. What does that mean? Well, she's preparing supper. Be home by sundown. Okay, and, 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 he said, and what, do you, what do you just say? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be on our way. And then, and then what'd she say? She said goodbye. What'd you say? Goodbye. And then they're starting to walk away, and then there was one more puff of smoke. Oh, what was that? Oh, she always likes to have the last word. You know, so. <laughs> anyway, pardon me. I, I'm sorry. Just, do you love the Lord? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Let's stand together. <laughs> I don't know. This isn't proper, but ain't God good? <laughs> he gives us so many blessings. I think you know where I'm going, right? Yeah. <laughs> ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving? That's what we are. We ought to thank Him. Love and praise Him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. Oh, oh, ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving? 